When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. Carl Langdon, Mark Reddings with you. One double three eight eighty two is our number and plenty of news bubbling around. It's good at this time of the year. Thanks to Polaris. Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Skeet, you got a smirk on your face. What are you smiling about? Just trying to work out what's going to happen in the AFL with uh, players and a potential coaching appointment at Essendon, which... We'll discuss, uh, get our teeth into through the course of the well, first no, let's hour. let's start with that. Come on. Okay. James Hurd has been interviewed, which it seems extraordinary that he is back, potentially going to coach the club where, of course, he was embroiled in the controversial supplement saga. Oh, it sounds like to me a step backwards, but maybe Essendon supporters want their favourite son to return to the hangar and become the man to lead them out of their, what's been a very tumultuous uh, three or four months and their off-field issues and their on-field performances. Is James Hurd the man? I'm... Well, they've put themselves in a bit of a corner, let's be honest, because the club has come out early doors. David Barman said, as the president, we want an experienced coach to lead this club forward. So uh, when you look around the ranks and Ross Lyon refused to go through the process and talk of Mark Williams, talk of Leon Cameron, of course, working out the Sydney Swans, there aren't too many out there available and willing. Well, the bloke with the numbers, and if you look at statistics, is uh, Don Pike. Um, he's got a 61% winning ratio. He's still involved in finals. He's doing a great job. He's uh, he, he apparently uh, went through a little bit of the process with Greater Western Sydney Giants. But, mate, if, if he is genuinely in with another, um, you know, um, thought of actually becoming a senior coach is a prime opportunity for him and it's a narrow field. Let me be a bit mischievous here, but does the Adelaide pre-season camp, of which he was coach at the time, have any asterisks next to his name moving forward? <laughs> what, compared to a supplements program? No, no. Well, <laughs> well, I'd say no. If he's going for an interview, then everybody can. You know, like that's the way I'd look at it. So, no, no, it doesn't. And it wasn't. His... No, I know that. But, I know, but James Hurd will argue probably that he wasn't the person administering the supplements to the players. So, look, I'm just saying, in terms of just that spectre, uh, Don Pike, like I tend to agree, he's a very smart operator. Will he get the opportunity? Probably should get an interview at the very least. Yeah, I agree. Bailey Williams and Nick Natanui have uh, been confirmed as signing two New Year uh, contract extensions, both until the end of 2024. Ben Long has uh, requested a trade to the Gold Coast. We did say some weeks ago that we expected that this would be the busiest trade period in history of the AFL with requests coming thick and fast. Uh, We believe that Rory Lobb has finally, uh, officially 
requested, even though we have known for a long time and broadcast here on this program for a long time that uh, the deal was agreed to long before now to head to the Western Bulldogs. So, and and that is a little bit, if you believe what was um, written by uh, Jake Nile, uh, that was last night uh, and this morning. Most would have maybe read that article that, uh, well, Freo will only entertain that deal, that's Lob going to the Western Bulldogs, if Griffin Logue stays. Now, Griffin Logue is still undecided, but it's more likely now that Freo have upped the ante a little bit that he stays rather than leaves. So don't be surprised that Griffin Logue decides, and he's been given until the end of the week, decides that uh, he wants to stay. I think that he loves the club. He loves Western Australia. His family and friends are here. So I don't think uprooting his whole life and going to another club is something that is overly desirable. He just wanted a fair deal. So um, it sounds like that he's more likely, while still understated, uh, undecided, still now more likely to stay than go. So he's shifted a little bit. But certainly with the blokes that were cleaning out their lockers today, Darcy Tucker, uh, it's likely that he will request a trade. Still have got a year to go on his contract, but it's likely that he will uh, request a trade to a Melbourne club. Um, certainly North Melbourne are interested, but there's a number of other Victorian clubs, which is what his destination is, that are interested. And there's no doubt that Blake Akers will end up at Carlton. Yeah, well, the, That's assuming that uh, Freo orchestrate a trade there. Yeah, I think that the, the Darcy Tucker one's a fairly simple uh, transaction, despite the fact he has a year, as you say, because he hasn't been able to break into the side. The opportunities haven't been there. And whatever Fremantle says about him being required, if they do say that, I think he needs to move on for his betterment. He injured his knee playing for Peel a couple of weeks ago. So his season has ended. But, yeah, I think that's a simple one. The Blake Akers one, well, if the money's not there, then he'll find his way out the door. Uh, Rui Lobb, I think you'll find the Dockers, Peter Bell, very good at this, saying he's very much a required player. And we want him there, so we need to get a good deal done. So there's a lot of posturing, and Belly's a very crafty character. Let's not just gild the lily here. He knows exactly. He's been quite deft at this over the last two or three seasons in playing hardball. And sometimes, for instance, with the Jesse Hogan uh, situation, people have raised their eyebrows. And last year with Rory Lobb, they were saying, well, is there a deal done? Colin Young was involved in some chatter with the, the Rory Lobb situation. So... There is going to be some posturing and there's going to be some public utterances that may not totally match with what's going to happen behind the scenes. Well, if if Griffin Logue decides he's out and he can walk because he doesn't have a contract, so he's in the Blake Acres boat here, not the Darcy Tucker boat, who has a year to go on his contract. Lob has a year to go. Essentially, the story was this morning and last night that he would be forced to stay and play for the one year of his contract. Now... He either stays and plays or he's a Cam McCarthy and he sits has to sit on the sidelines. Yeah, generally a deal gets done, though, Cal. The Cam McCarthy was a, an unusual... They're pretty rare. I mean, Bobby Hill ended up playing this season mm-hmm. at the Giants, but he wanted to get to... I think it was either Essendon or Collingwood. Both were having a nibble at him uh, at the end of last season. But, but Tom Papley had to stay and play, and now look at him. He's, he's actually stayed at the 100%, Sydney Swans. But, but generally, you don't see players like McCarthy now sit out for 12 months because they wanted to come home. Now, they were talking about some some mental health issues on that front, but by and large, deals get done. So that that's my, you know, 90% of them get done or 80% of them get done. But you're right, there's so many this season that uh, blokes like Colin Young and, and managers around the country, 
They mightn't get much sleep between now and uh, end of trade week. Well, Lobby might have gone to Logie and said, mate, do me a favour. Will you just stay and play <laughs> for Freo so I can move on because I want to get over to my other half. She's already moved, apparently, and set up uh, the house that they've purchased uh, over there. I mentally, mentally, I think Rory Lobb has given Freo the heave But that's fair enough. As we've talked about with Junior Rioli, if he wants to leave, if he's uh, intent on, on walking out the door, he can get a good deal. But either way... Pretty hard to make someone stay for long term. A couple of sons of guns uh, re-signed their contracts today. Riley West has signed at the Western Bulldogs. Bailey Scott at North Melbourne, both until the end of 2024. Both were drafted in 2018. Uh, Bledisloe Cup match, Australia and New Zealand, sold out tomorrow night. So that's a great effort. Absolutely. A Thursday night just seems a bit weird to me. I know there's a footy final on Friday at the MCG, but I don't know. I would have thought the Bledisloe Cup's big enough to compete on its own merits against any code of football uh, on a weekend. Now, maybe there's a extenuating circumstances surrounding that, but that, that seems... Like... Thursdays, all right, isn't it? Oh, it doesn't worry me, but if you're... I don't know, it just feels like it's, that's been... Well, they wouldn't have been able to play Friday Why? or Saturday. Why? Partic- well, because there may well have been finals, so they wouldn't have been able to book the ground at that particular point. So I would suggest that's why it had been scheduled on a Thursday yeah, night. Look, you're probably 100% yeah. right. And by the way, we're going to get to uh, some contract news at the West Coast Eagles in just a second. Uh, is that the contract news that I spoke about with Williams and Nat Nui, or have got some more on that? No, about a caller talking about it. Oh. To, yeah, so anyway, right. one double three eight eighty two. Uh, Ian's in Vic Park. He wants to talk more about Luke Jackson and Melbourne first up. Good day, Ian. Hey, fellas. If I'm Melbourne, I'm talking to Fremantle, and I'm trying to get Griffin Logue and something else if possible, and I'm also putting Stephen May up for trade because he's single-handedly sabotaged that club this year. The bloke's no good. His attitude, he was bad at the Gold Coast with his attitude. Um, he was he was terrible halfway through the year. And his body language and the way he was speaking to his teammates in those two losses in the finals this year, we just get rid of him. He's no good. Mm. Well, he's a very good player. But I look, Ian, I must admit, yeah. I'm on the same boat as you. I'm not a fan of, uh, and, of, you know, I, I just say this, I'm not a fan of the way he's gone about his business off the field. Anyone that can get belted by two blokes, two teammates at two separate clubs, uh, <laughs> shows you that there's, well, there might be an issue or two there. And let's be honest, ever since the Melksham May incident mid-season, they went into a bit of a funk. They came out of it. But um, as they say at the Sydney Swans, uh, it's an OD head policy. And I just think that, even though he's won a premiership, very good player, I wouldn't be touching him. And I know you're saying for Melbourne's point of view, but he'll be staying at Melbourne. Um, and what was the other one? Oh, As for Griffin Logue, Griffin targeting Logue. him. Do they need a, a Griffin Logue, Melbourne? They need a, I'm not sure defensively, with, with Lever and May and, and, and Rivers well, coming sort of, through. They sort of need a bloke like a lob. They need a, a bloke. So, so they need a replacement for Jackson. So so what they need is they need a genuine ruck forward. Who can play a bit of both, yeah. Because because Gorney's closer to the end than the start. Um, but Lob's, know, Lob's not really that. Yeah, he's that type. But he, yeah, you're well, right. Well, he but is. He's, he's more of a forward than a ruck. But they need a forward. Uh, let me put it the other way. They need a forward ruck. Now, I'm not sure that Jackson is a forward ruck. Because at the moment, he's, as you would probably say he's more of a ruck than a forward. Oh, yeah, mate, what do you reckon? I, well, I, I'm not sure he's either of the two. In, well, in there you go. And it's funny you should say that because there's been chatter today that the Dockers are looking at maybe a hybrid situation with Jackson where he and Darcy, Sean Darcy, could at some stage play inside the centre square together and, and Jackson take on a midfielder's role. I don't know how that would work, but there, there's certainly no certainty about what Jackson brings to the table at this point of his career as, as a forward or a ruck. What we do know about Melbourne is that the talk about Brody Grundy has been quite strong. And whether those two players, Gorn and Grundy, could combine 
And, look, let's be honest, Gorn's improved his forward craft immeasurably over the past couple of years. His goal kicking's a lot better. That is looming as a more likely situation um, if the Pies give up Grundy and he heads to Melbourne. Yeah, I don't think the Pies want to give up Grundy. No. But at the same time, if they've got Cameron and they've got Cox, do they actually need Grundy or do they need Cox? Or, for that matter, they've just signed up Darcy Cameron for another three years. So all of a sudden, the bloke that's all of a sudden starting to slip out of the boat is Big Cox. Do they go for him? I mean, because May and Lever and Gorn and these guys, they're not getting any younger. They're, 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 their spine is quite old. So maybe a maybe a Mason Cox might get a cameo and, and swing across to Melbourne and get himself a premiership. Who knows? Uh, we've got to clear a commitment. Come back. It's 19 after 6. Sports Day. Thanks to Kia. The all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. 22 minutes past six and Donnie joins us. G'day, mate. How are you going? Good, Carl, Mark. I, uh, I don't know, Bailey Williams, mate, as I said to you fellas before, uh, first couple of years he was um, going pretty well and uh, I reckon the last few years he's going backwards. Uh, young uh, Jamison, he's going past him. What I've seen this year, Every time the young Jamison went into the middle, we would win the other middle. Bailey Williams goes in there and uh, I'll tell you what, you wouldn't put uh, $1 on his kicking. At the beginning, he was pretty good, but I don't know what the hell happened with, with his kicking and all that. You wouldn't put any money on him. And, uh, yeah, I'm talking about the ruck. I uh, Honestly, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't give uh, two farms and two houses for Jackson, if that's the case, if that's the sort of money uh, they're talking about, you know, so they should keep a um, number two draft pick and um, yeah, leave Jackson alone. I mean, just go in, have a look, have a look for Darcy Fourth did to. Uh, mate, West Coast, West Coast aren't West Coast aren't in the hunt for Jackson, mate. Let me tell you that right now. He is going to Fremantle, all right. And that was sorted well, out a long, that, long well, time good. ago, mate. We told you that right here a long time ago. He, he's he's going to Fremantle. Forget about Jackson trying to be negotiated to go to West Coast because it's not happening. So um, that's that's what I can tell you on that front. Um, as for as for Williams, look, Williams played by far and away his best season at the club. And you've got to remember, these, these blokes come into the system as very, very young, immature players. And it took four years, I reckon, for Darren Glass to actually break in to the West Coast Eagles. He was a skinny, pimply-faced kid. And look, you know, when you look at Bailey Williams, he's now 22 years of age. He's he's 201 centimetres tall. He's grown into his body and he looked a lot better. And like that last game against Geelong where he had the 25 disposals and he went at about 72-odd percent, which is better than what you just portrayed him with his skill disposal, Donny. I thought that he played some much better games throughout the course of the season. Yeah, and when it comes to ruck forwards, and Carl mentioned the age and... You're right, big men, as we know, take a bit longer to develop. He was also taken at pick 35. So it wasn't like he was, you know, a top 10, top 20 draft pick and so the expectations should be through the roof. But I think you do start to see little shoots come through of his potential, as you said, last round. So, no, I've got no issue with standing by him. Mind you, in the next year or two, you'd want to see a a fair degree of uh, improvement year on year. Put it, put it this way. I, I think that I'm prepared to be a lot more patient with big blokes like him True. than I am with guys that are 22 years of age that are six foot or 
five, five foot, six to six foot. You know what I mean? Because I think that there's a, a hell of a lot more players that fit into that category than to fit into the big guy department in the game. And say, say outside of him, just, just for example, just using the WAFL, there's probably Lloyd Meek, who you would say is more advanced and been more consistent. And he's probably been unlucky that he's got Sean Darcy playing ahead of him down there at Freo. But we did see them combine at times and we saw him play in his own right and have a good impact in the game. But outside of that at WAFL level, there's no one that you could suggest to me right now, given that you call the game week in, week out, season after season, that would jump in straight over the top. You'd think, oh, I'll just go and swap him for him. No, not not. From Waffle to AFL level, no, yeah. not at all. I mean, there's a, a kid at Perth called Cohen Livingston who I'm quite impressed with. He's a, a Colt and still a, a Colts player and also a Colt in, a, in, in racing parlance. He's still a very young player, but there's no one. I mean, Hamish Free gets a lot of t- uh, knockouts for, for South Fremantle, but as terms in terms of a package, you're 100% right. Lloyd Meek on Sunday, for instance, you could tell that he has spent time in the AFL system. He looks like a player, that, and we know he's a player that can do a job uh, at the top level. Uh, that will come, uh, whether he's... Uh, a backup ruckman or, or getting more game time, but he will look for that because it's only natural. He deserves to get that opportunity, whether it's at Fremantle. Well, we're about to find out in the next few weeks. Yeah, and when you have a look at Lloyd Meek, he's 24. Mm. So he's a couple of more years advanced, and he's been there for a while. Uh, so and, and, and just with Jamison, will he be a couple of years behind, wouldn't he? He'd only be about 20. Yeah, he wouldn't be 24 by any means. In fact, he's, I'll, I'll do a check on him, but I think he's closer to 20 than... Yeah, so again, you're talking about, and it's a bit like um, the uh, other other big uh, Williams, Jack Williams, who's uh, being touted as a for, as a potential forward. I mean, he again is another young player. He's big, he's tall, um, but he's another young player that's uh, still growing into his body. I'm eating my words here. He's yeah. twenty. He was twenty two. Uh, July. So he's twenty two. Th- July 31, yeah, 22. So I thought he might have been 21, 20. But, yeah, he's he's 22. So, But, again, I do agree with you, and I think listeners would know this, that, that the tall players, it, it, you know, it just doesn't happen young. And, and Luke Jackson is, is a great example. We saw some magnificent moments for him last year. But this year, it's been more downs and ups and certainly more inconsistencies than consistencies. I would actually much rather adopt the Alistair Clarkson model, and that is just go and pick and pinch a mature-age ruckman from another club. He did it with David Hale, turned him into a premiership player. He did it with McAvoy, turned him into a premiership player. Well, we've seen that with Tom Hickey go to Sydney. Even Callum Sinclair went across and had some success. Yep. We've seen it across the league. And, you know, Stephen Martin went up and played with Bulldogs. There's been, Paddy Ryder. There's been so many instances. Paddy Ryder probably a bit more accomplished than, than some of those other ruckmen we're talking about. You're right. I don't think you have to have that elite ruckman to go from one club to another to get a decent result. Yeah, but I think they're pinchable. That's the bit I'm talking about. Mm. And, and you don't necessarily need to have an out-and-out star. I think what we've seen at Collingwood this year with Cameron and, and Cox is that you can get the job done, and they have been quite magnificent in combination. When do you think we're going to hear from the Eagles about players delisted, moved on, exit interviews must have happened by now? Uh, yes, some have had interviews that are in town. Uh, but those that are away, there's a, a large contingent that have been overseas. So uh, face-to-face meetings haven't uh, necessarily occurred with all of them. But uh, my understanding is is that it will be completed before the trade period starts. So there will be an outcome probably towards the end of this month. But, um, yeah, not, not likely to be in the next week mm. because a lot of those players are still on leave. That surprises me. I would have thought, you, as a player, going away, if you're not sure, isn't it better to get the guillotine early than sit around overseas pondering, sweating, 
anxious about what your future is? Oh, I don't think that they'd be sweating too much, would they? I think they'd probably pretty much know and understand, but I think those face-to-face meetings, they'd rather do it that way than get sent an email. 29 after 6. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Now, after our next break, uh, we are going to have a chat to Matt Stevick, AFL umpire, who is going to be achieving a magnificent milestone. His 450th uh, AFL game, he will officiate in the game between Sydney and Collingwood on Saturday, which you'll hear live here on 882 6PR. Hey, last night we got it done in the Davis Cup. 3-0 victory over Belgium. France next tomorrow night. So that will be a intriguing matchup. John Pierce is going to join us tonight after 7 o'clock, so we'll have a yak to him about that. Perth Scorchers women's list complete today. Four young, promising West Australian locals, Amy Edgar, uh, Maddie Dark, Georgia Wiley and Karis Becker were the four young ladies that uh, put the pen to paper. So they will be part of a Scorchers team that will be attempting to go back-to-back. Perth Glory have signed Luka Vanovic. Now, he's a, a striker. He signed a two-year deal. He's a 22-year-old, played most recently for the Brisbane Roar, but prior to that played 38 matches with Sydney FC. Meanwhile, Carlo Amiento has had his contract mutually, I like this, mutually terminated uh, so that he can look uh, to his future. Now, unfortunately, he did his ACL last year, Skeet, so he missed the whole season. But prior to that, he joined the club in 2019, uh, only 23 years of age, but he played the 26 matches. So obviously on the back of the ACL, uh, the club has chosen to go down a different path. So they have chosen mutually to part ways. Absolutely. And by the way, speaking of Perth Glory, uh, on the Gold Coast tonight, they ran out winners 4-0 over Gold Coast Knights FC. So Williams, Isabel, uh, Hatch and Zimarino with the goals in that one. Can you believe it? Sunday, uh, and we've got tomorrow night to chat about it, of course, uh, with Friday night football coming up. We'll have to work out and, and we'll ask our listeners, who's winning the Brownlow medal? Who's going to actually take on the most prestigious prize on Sunday night? Because we, we know, we think it's going to be a midfielder. That's almost a given. But it, it depends which club, Carl. And you and I are coming from different spaces here, but... Uh, either way, it's it's one of the great nights in the footy calendar. Yeah, well, um, maybe what we'll do is we'll give a give away a cart of the beautiful Spinifex beer, <laughs> and what we'll do, and I'm what we'll quiet. do is we'll we'll get the people on Thursday right to ring us up and give us who they think will win and the number of votes. Right, first best in, you know, first in, first serve. So obviously, if if you say uh, just say it's me and I'm going to tip Brayshaw thirty one votes. If I get in first, then obviously the next person can only go 30 votes or 29 or something like that. And we'll get whoever gets it um, will win themselves a carton of beer. And, of course, we've got to play Beat the Boys as well. So we'll have a little bit of fun on Thursday night around that. Speaking of having fun, uh, the Socceroos, I don't know how much fun it's going to be with their upcoming matches. They take on New Zealand in Brisbane. We've had so much sport, haven't we? We've had a feast of it uh, across a whole different uh, gamut of sports because we've got so much going on. Now with the cricket getting underway, with the soccer getting underway, with... Uh, the basketball season getting underway with the Wildcats back in action there up to the Northern Territory this weekend for the Blitz as well. But uh, 17-year-old uh, Garang Cole, Jason Cummings, who's a, a Scottish-born now Australian player because he qualifies for us, and the Tokyo 2020 Ollie Roos squad members who will be playing 
as part of our Socceroo squad for the very first time. So Beam Camus, Cameron Devlin, Ryan Strain, uh, Therese Farunas, and they will be playing in our team for the very first time. So good opportunity for them to make their mark when it comes to the future of Australian soccer. So that will be unbelievable uh, to see what they can do. And this will be a, a real test against the Kiwis. Absolutely. Uh so a bit of a rumour on that front, by the way. He might be signing with Newcastle in the Premier League as well, uh, Grand Kewol. So that's a, a, a footy story with a difference. So that's one to keep an eye out. A rumour when uh, we talk about the transfers in uh, or the trade weeks in, in the AFL, well, uh, transfer windows, it's just a open slather away we go in the, in the Premier League. We've seen at least one manager lose his job because uh, the spending spree is gone pear-shaped. So, um, yeah, it's high stakes over there on the other side of the world. $43,000 a week. That would be probably worthwhile going for Garang, wouldn't it? Would you go for that? Forty-three grand a week? For a four-year deal? Yeah. Where do you sign? <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, how do you go when, and we're going to have a chat to Marco Allen a little bit later on. I've got to toss this at him because I had a bit of a chuckle earlier today when I was reading it. But live golf in the upcoming tournament at Trumpy's Course over there in Miami. Uh you know how they're going to seed the players? How? Nearest the pin. Oh, seriously? Yeah. It's like a, that is like a, a royal show. Oh, I don't mind it. Really? Well, they all tee off and got to get it nearest the pin. It's mm. not bad. I, I don't mind that. So you shank one, shank one, you're suddenly ranked 20th or something. That's it. Yeah. What's wrong with that? I mean, they're all good golfers. Yeah. Well, but this is this is the issue with It's live. seeding. It's seeding. It's also it? cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I reckon it's a pretty good idea. Uh, it's I, I think it's a com- it's a com- yeah, but it's a competition within a competition. I mean, we we've played in a lot of these nearest the pin competitions. It's worth winning, especially if you knock it in. You can win a car. Yeah, that's true. Uh, would you say it's a Trumpy's course? Is it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> enough said. <laughs> enough said. No, it, look, it's going to be. And so, Marker, the problem is, he's actually Mark Allen has just. His uh, attitude towards liver just seeped into my mindset. Of uh, he actually has a very strong anti uh, feeling towards uh, those who compete. And look, there might, might be many in the establishment that feel the same way. Now, I haven't warned you about this, and I don't want to stitch you up. Oh yeah, but guess I'm, what? You're gonna. <laughs> but I'm gonna throw four names at you. Okay. Jez McLennan, yeah. Matt Convoy, uh, Reese Nichols, and Patrick Murta. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good luck. Um, and what? Do you, what's the question? They all play. Uh, they all played. They've all been on an AFL list at the same club and all got delisted. What this year? <laughs> oh, this year? In the, in the last twenty four hours? She wish. No. Um. I'll tell you what. If someone can answer that, <laughs> I I didn't even. Oh, mate, I had I had to go back and look them up. I thought so, you were talking about so uh, golfers. Jez McLennan was a pick twenty three. In the 2018 national draft, no, no idea. Matt Conroy was a a uh, a rookie draft selection, pick 29 in 2019. Donuts. Uh, a 19-year-old defender, Reese Nichols, and Patrick Murta was a Queensland zone selection in 2019. A former decathlete and Queensland. This will give you a clue. And Queensland state champion. He was a state champion decathlete. Okay. No, well, you've what you've, club? What club do you listed them oh, today? Brisbane or Gold Coast, I'm guessing. Very good. <laughs> Narrow it down. Gold Coast. Yes! You got it! Mate, that was a tough question. I know. Four. This is this is where I get really sort of um, angry to a lot of points. And uh, it, the reason is, is because there is a lot of darts get thrown. These young blokes get pulled out, some in other sports, but 
it'd be nice to pick players that have had a track record, whether that be in the VFL, the Sample, and other ways, rather than playing in underage competitions. Agree. And getting onto AFL elite lists. So we'll be back with Matt Stevick. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Great to have your company. One double three eight eighty two is our number and chats with mates. Make the switch to mate internet and mobile. And a fantastic milestone for our next guest. His name is Matt Stevick, an AFL umpire. He is going to be officiating in the Sydney and Collingwood match this weekend. His four hundred and fiftieth game. Matt, welcome to Sports Day, mate. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Carl and Mark. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Look, we've had a chat to you a couple of times along the journey, mate. But to get to 450 games is no mean feat. Uh, what have been the challenges along the way? <clears throat> oh, we need a day to discuss that. I reckon. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's a it's a roller coaster ride, as you would well know. And you have you know certainly some some great moments in the sport and some some down periods, both in form and. I guess just your joy levels in in the game, and it's I guess I've come to accept that that's a pretty normal part of of your sort of yearly experiences in the AFL. It's a it's a brutal industry. It's a wonderful uh, and privileged industry to be a part of, and, and certainly being out in the middle of the ground and seeing you know great athletes go go at it. But um, yeah, look, there's been so many challenges. You know, the hubs of the last couple of years have been really tricky taking away a 13 week old and first time parents not having any idea of what we're doing and how she'd survive and all that sort of stuff. So that's been challenging and just the continual um, adapting to the game as it's evolved. So the rules and the interpretations and all the different clubs trying to, I guess, bend the rules and, and, and gain an advantage anyway. So they, they'd certainly be a few. Yeah. Well, I was about to say the the changing of rules has fans, commentators, asking questions and sometimes unfairly, obviously targeting umpires, but you are the, the people that have to adjudicate and, and in many ways put those rules into play. And so the changes take some adjustment, I gather, from your point of view. Yeah, I think from everyone. And, I mean, we, we now do – it's probably been going on for 12, 13 years now where we do club visits. So we would go out to every club – you know, 20, 30, 40 times across the pre-season. And whether that's implementing new rules or just being there to assist them in any way possible in the pre-season, we, we would rather make make blues in the, uh, in the scratch match uh, at an intra-club than out in the middle of the G. So that, that's a good opportunity for us to learn, refine. It's a good chance for the players to get used to, you know, be it the stand rule or you know, hands in the back as years have gone by and all those sorts of things. So um, what I have found is is players generally adjust incredibly quickly and, and well, um, and we endeavour to do the same. Carl was about to jump on one of those rules. Before oh. he uh, ventures down that path, Matty, um, you've won good performance away from nine consecutive grand final appearances. Now, I know you don't take it for granted, but, gee, that is something that you must be extremely proud of. Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, I owe a lot to, you know, a few people, but my mum, you know, she was, she's been my biggest supporter for, for 25, 30 years in my sport. And I really just try and make her proud, you know, and um, she's taught me a lot about hard work and head down, bum up and 
take responsibility for your performance, good, bad or otherwise. And, you know, I mean, the six guys going out this weekend, um, if we all have fantastic games, the coaches have got a tough choice to make. And if a few of us don't perform to the level that we know we're capable of, well, it's probably an easy choice. So I'm just excited to be, you know, involved in what hopefully will be, you know, a ripping game. Had Sydney week one and Collingwood week two, and they're both the intensity and speed of, and, and pressure has been, you know, probably something I haven't witnessed too much before. Mate, I can't believe that uh, you've come so far. I remember calling your first game back in 2004. It was West Coast against the Western Bulldogs because... Gee, you've um, got a good memory. I, I was yeah, travelling well, yeah. and doing those games and that's when you made your debut as an umpire. So that's a long time ago. But you know what, uh, Matt, I don't know about you, mate, but the stand rule, it just, it does my head in. I, I, I feel sorry for you blokes having to actually... Uh, ha- have to do that one. The other one I feel sorry for you with is actually having to nominate Ruckman. Don't you think we've got to the point now where they know that if the bloke jumps over the top that he's going to get a free kick paid against him and you blokes can just roll along with it? <coughs> yeah. This, uh, <laughs> thanks, for, uh, th- thanks for feeling sorry for us. That is appreciated. And, <laughs> and yeah, God, going, going back to 2004, the game's changed, hadn't it? I think there were 43 goals scored that day. But um, I digress. The stand rule... I think the biggest thing people, and I'm sure you do, Carl, can appreciate is we've got to watch the guy with the ball and we, we have to call play on the millisecond he steps off his line. At the same time, we also need to be watching the guy on the mark and telling him to stand. And then there's this thing called the protected area, which spans about 35 metres around the guy with the ball and the guy on the mark. So, yes, it is challenging. And now, probably the second half of the year, we've seen clubs that are really testiness around that. So they're running up to the mark and then they're backpedalling out five metres. So, you know, we're trying to pin them to a spot, uh, give them an opportunity. If they want to move out, they can. But, you know, the clubs are all looking for an inch to to delay that guy with the ball. So um, it has made it incredibly harder, I have to say, the, the stand rule, because it just adds another element to, to our job. Yeah, well, Collingwood have certainly become very good at uh, what you just expressed to us, because uh, they have been uh, very clear in what they're trying to do in that sort of scenario. Uh, when it comes to the future for you, and obviously, as Mark said, a, a great opportunity for you to, to front up in your ninth successive grand final... Have you still got, uh, you know, the the legs? I, I suppose the question to, to keep on rolling on is 500 in the picture. <laughs> the legs is the easy part. It's the mind that's, um, <laughs> you know, I try and describe it. You know, people say, people are obsessed with how far you run. But I said, you know, p- picture two hours of, of having a having a blue with your wife or a partner and, and uh, you know, going at it for two hours. Sometimes that's how your head feels like when you walk off the ground and, um yeah, look, the physical part, you, you learn to cope pretty easily, but just the mental uh, challenge to concentrate, but not just that, but process, you know, a high tackle used to be high, Carl, in your day, and that was yeah. a bit easier for us. Now it's did he duck, shrug, drop, did he lift an arm, did he burrow, you know, um, and then is the tackle legal and all that sort of stuff. So we've got a lot more to process. I'm still hungry to... Um, regardless of what happens this week and next week, just continue to perform and, you know, deliver to a standard I know I'm capable of. And when I don't do that, I get disappointed, but we get an opportunity, not so much next week, but 
they're, they're long years, so it's uh, you get an opportunity the next week. Spe- speaking with Matty Stevick, about to umpire 450th match. He's gone past 50 AFL finals. He's had a terrific career. Just quickly, I've got to just stop you for a sec, Matty, about having an argument with your wife or partner for a couple of hours. That simply doesn't happen in my house. Here's some advice. Just say I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and it ends very quickly. But I, I digress. I digress. Um, four, five, four umpires next year in home and away matches. You a fan? I think it has pros and cons. And, again, we haven't got time to unpack all of that now. I think the positives is you can keep, when I say the older guys, I, I say experienced guys, so it's not about keeping dead wood, but if, if experienced guys can stay in the game to assist, mentor, help coach out on the ground some, some younger umpires, I think that's a good thing for the sport. It's not about the umpires. It's about can, can we service the sport the most professionally way with the best officials we can in this, in Australia. The other the other good thing is, um, I guess it it provides opportunities for for younger aspiring umpires. So yeah, there might be some short term pain in terms of performance, be that right across the board at times. But long term, I can see it a good thing. And then there's some downside. It's an extra umpire out there. The rules aren't black and white. Um, you know, so that adds just another element of you know, how we will work, when you intervene, when you don't, if the other umpire's in a good space. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be some teething problems, but we'll, we'll work on that over the pre-season. Well, a fourth umpire, mate. Another set of eyes around the footy these days with so many players around the ball. Sometimes you guys, uh, I don't know how you make a decision because you've got to look through so many bodies. <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, we've got... We have the three out there at the moment. We essentially try and, you know... <laughs> wrap ourselves around that, that big bubble. So that generally, you know, spans sort of 70 or 80 metres of, of a ground, which is, you know, almost double that. So, yeah, it is tough, particularly inside 50s, and it's some stoppage work. But, you know, you try and hedge your bets and you look at the key players that generally, you know, cop, cop plenty of attention. If you try and just look at 10 pairs, you're never going to see anything. So you just got to look at some cues and try and read you know, players and, and sort of where they initially set up and uh, just pay the clear ones. Thank you very much for your time tonight, mate. We appreciate it. And, of course, if you do go on to umpire in another grand final, your ninth in a row, you will equal Jack Elder, 10 grand finals, uh, which is what he umpired in. So it's been uh, a great journey, mate, so far. And, mate, continue. Good luck. Thanks, guys. And I've never had a two-hour blue with the, the wife either. It's, just a, it's, it's, a, it's a poor example. We got you, Matty. We, no, got we you. know what you mean, though. We know what you mean. Uh, All the best. Thanks very much okay. for your time. Good on you. Uh, Matt Stevick uh, chats with mates. Uh, mobile plans from just uh, $20 per month. Why wait? Make the switch to mate. Uh, it is a funny. You talk to these guys. They are like all of us. I know we sometimes think, oh, gee, they're human. They've got sense of humours. Uh, they can laugh. They can cry. They can. They go through all the emotions that we do. But he is genuine elite umpire in the AFL. There's been plenty of hot topics that we've had a chat about tonight. Thanks to the Dardanelle Butchering Company's Valley Spring Lamb available at WA's Best Restaurants, Hotels and Cafes. We'll wrap up the first hour after this and tell you what's coming up after the 7 o'clock news next. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. 
Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Nice to have you company here on Sports Day. Straight out of the news, a very special guest, John Pierce, who is back from his US Open victory. We'll have a chat to Jai Bolton from the Claremont Tigers for you Tigers fans tonight. Stay tuned for that. Lakeisha Pergoliti will join us, a young boxer who has been given a magnificent scholarship. So great opportunity for her to continue on her journey. And Marco Allen for the latest in golf. And we'll be joined by David Short as well as Chris Nelson, who's Queensland racing expert with plenty of spring action up there in Queensland. All of that coming away after the seven o'clock news that's next for the all new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all electric. See more at kia.com.au. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service. They bring us this hour for expert car service. You book online at repcoservice.com. And what a sensational result it was for our doubles team. Storm Sanders and John Pierce winning the US Open Mixed Doubles. The first time in 21 years the Australians have been able to achieve that feat. And John Pierce joins us here on Sports Day. Welcome, John. How are you going, mate? Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, boys. Um, to be honest, a little tired, but very thrilled. It's an extraordinary achievement. Uh, 31 previous appearances before, as we heard, teaming up for the first time with Sanders in this tournament. Uh, did you ever think that this might not come your way in the mixed doubles? Uh, yeah, a couple of moments. We were actually 8-6 down in the semi-final on the sleeper tiebreak. I thought that we were going to be a little a bit unlucky if we well, we'd be very lucky to get through that one. And then in the final, lost the first set. A few things weren't going our way, but yeah, we... Rolled, rolled the dice and hung in there and it went our way in the end. Now, just tell me, because uh, we have a, a bloke who brings us right up to date with all the tennis here, Brett Phillips, who actually told us that you had been trying to team up with Storm Sanders for a little while because you like each other's games when it comes to uh, this form of your sport. Is this true? And was this something you've been trying to do for a little while now? Yeah, Storm and I probably for the last 12 months have been trying to team up and play mixed together. Um, but we haven't really been out. One of us has always been set with other partners, so we just said to each other, let's hold out for US Open, and uh, unless one of us does really well in a couple of the other ones, let's try and do US. So we touched base after Wimbledon, and, yeah, the rest is history. So it was a good, good result. We both held out. How does it normally work then, John, in that sort of scenario? So you've, you've informed us that you've held out. What, what would normally be, say, the negotiation to form a partnership with somebody? Yeah, no, you just sometimes uh, people set for a little while. Sometimes they only set for a couple of tournaments from, because we only play mixed at the Grand Slam. So mm. Storm and I probably since Aussie Open last year tried to, one of us would reach out pretty much before each slam and one of us would always be set. So we finally just said, look, all right, let's hold off. Don't set anything for US Open and then we'll chuck, chuck, touch base after Wimbledon. And uh, yeah, we're both fortunate enough. We didn't go as deep as what either one of us wanted to with our other partners. and. Yeah, we said let's do it and give it a crack. Career best form, you would have to say that you're in right now, mate. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, reaching the semi-final, the Australian Open, the French Open, of course, Wimbledon in 2021, and here you go winning the championship at the US Open. You must be wrapped with your form at the moment. Yeah, no, things have been going well now. It's um, good to get back on track and uh, sort of have the family there as well, which is an even sweeter moment for me. John, can you talk us through the dynamics with yourself and Storm? You're 34, she's 28. Do you take a 
uh, sort of a, a captain's role as such, or is it very much um, both of you going back and forth with ideas, plans? How does that play out? Yeah, no, we've both just kept it pretty simple, really. At the end of the day, um, I am a few years older, so we just kept trying to keep things simple, stick to what we do best out there and make sure we're both relaxed in the bigger moments, which was the key for us. To, we knew if we stuck to our guns, we'd have a good chance of going really deep and giving it a chance to win. The, to win. So we, we did a great job early on to get comfortable with each other because you never know how a partnership will go when you try for the first time. And, yeah, we just kept rolling, rolling the dice and enjoying the ride. And, yeah, we did a great job, especially in the final, to come back from a set down. Johnny, can you give us an explanation? Is it just coincidence that Australian doubles tennis is enjoying a pretty nice run at the moment when you think of what's happened with Matty Ebden and, and the K brothers and <laughs> the KKs, whatever you call them, you and the mixed doubles, fucking Arcus and Kyrgios, I'll just keep that simple, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, um, Australia's always had a great history in doubles and uh, it's good to get some numbers back up there, which has probably been the key. We've probably been lacking some numbers right at the top for a little while now and it's really good to see everyone pushing together and being able to bring each other along and I think that's probably the big difference at the moment. We've got a lot of guys coming through together and everyone's pushing each other, which is great, and they're all working in the right direction. And I think it's just proved the depth of men's tennis, especially in Australian tennis, that we're all able to push forward and push together. Yeah, good Davis Cup result last night. 3-0 win over Belgium and France uh, exactly. tomorrow night. So that's uh, evidence of that. Hey, uh, how did you like – I know that you didn't progress that far, but uh, how did you like the Olympic Games experience last year? Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, did all right with Ash to get bronze medal, which was another special uh, special occasion for me. But, um, yeah, no, Olympics is – you only ever get it to have a crack at a couple of Olympics and to be able to – to be able to go there is just something amazing. So it's sort of it brings goosebumps thinking about the Olympics for me because uh, it's something we don't get to do very often. Now, given that uh, you've teamed up with Stormy for this uh, this particular slam, is it likely that we'll see you two teaming up again for the next one and going forward? Is this going to be a little partnership? Fingers crossed. I mean, we spoke about Aussie for sure, and uh, I think we'll see how the Aussie Open goes, and then probably chat about the rest of the year after Aussie. But I think. Um, yeah, fingers crossed we can both continue to enjoy playing with each other and start forming a nice little partnership for a couple of years. Grand Slam, of course, the big picture, but what's up next for you, John? Um, we've got a couple of weeks, uh, got a week at home in Perth and then a couple of weeks in Asia before heading to Europe to finish the year out. So one last little break before one push for the end of the year. Brilliant, mate. Well, thank you very much for sharing some time with us tonight, mate, and uh, may it continue. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, boys. Good on you, John Pierce here on Sports Day. Good job. Uh, fantastic. And uh, good to see that they're going to stay connected. I think uh, they might be on to something here. Nice little combination there. Absolutely. And we know that uh, yeah, doubles is a bit like that. If you get the chemistry, the synergy right, um, it can lead to great success. We, as I said, we've seen some terrific doubles combinations uh, get the job done for Australia at Grand Slam level over the past uh, six to 12 months. Now, we have to clear a break. On the other side, come back and we'll get into our WAFL update. We're heading to the Clamont. Tigers tonight and Jai Bolton will join us next. Sports Day thanks to Kia, the all new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day and time now for our WAFL update. Thanks to the Kia Nero, available as a hybrid or full electric model and we are joined from the Claremont Tigers by 
Jai Bolton. Jai, welcome to Sports Day. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, have you licked the wounds? Uh, got a bit of a touch-up last week against the Sharks? Yeah, they um, have done that uh, the last two times to us now. So, um, yeah, we've, we've had a review on Monday night, uh, which we weren't too weren't too happy with, obviously. But we'll take some of the positives that we that we saw out of there and try and uh, build on them uh, to go into this week. When you look at the review, when we sat and watched the game, you seemed to really overpossess the ball at times. Lots of hand passes. Was that brought up as an area to improve efficiency with footy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, take nothing away from East Rio either. Their pressure was great and probably um, made us go into a bit of that over-possession and over-handball. Um, but, yeah, we definitely mentioned that in finals, you really want to make sure you take territory and um, you don't uh, muck around with it too much. We want to try and get get our forwards the best opportunity they can uh, with as much space as they can, as quick as we can. So um, definitely a focus of ours going into this week. You don't have to look back too far either uh, since the last time you played Peel Thunder because it was only back in round 18. You got the job done that day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're still obviously waiting to see what the lineup will look like, um, if it will be a similar team to when we played them then. Or, um, yeah, we, we obviously... Uh, prepare accordingly. Um, but I think that the main focus for us going on, going into this week is uh, playing our own brand of footy rather than worrying too much about what the opposition's bringing. Um, we've come away from that a couple of times over the last month or so. So we want to try and make sure that we uh, get that consistency right and um, yeah, get back to what we, what we know works. Now, you only kicked eight goals against the Sharks, but uh, Declan Mountford... And I reckon we're only about 10 metres away from where he kicked his first. From about 75 metres heading to the left of screen. And then he bombed another one from outside 50. I know there was a breeze there, Joy, but, gee, that'd have to be two of his better goals. Yeah, they're getting longer and longer as well as the week's gone on. Can't imagine what it's going to be like in a, in a few months or even years' time. But um, it's got blown out to 100 already somehow. So, um, yeah, it's pretty impressive for a bloke with such chicken legs. But, um, yeah, he's, he's pretty happy with them, that's for sure. The impressive part about goal kicking is that uh, the last time you played Peel Thunder, uh, Jai, you had 10 of you that actually were able to get on the scoreboard. So spreading that load so important. Yeah, it's been something that we... Um, you know, worked on uh, over the pre-season is uh, trying to get that mixture and um, different looks going forward. Um, and, you know, we, we've, we're probably a bit disappointed we haven't got um, consistency in that. But um, when we're playing our best footy, we probably are spreading really hard and, and giving opportunity to uh, not just um, certain individuals, but, yeah, really sharing that load well. So, um, yeah, something, again, that we've, we've talked about and we, we want to try and uh, achieve in the, in the next few weeks. So Stephen Miller come off with a, a knee injury. It sounds like it's season over for him. That's obviously a bit of heartbreak for the player himself, but also makes it tough for you guys defensively. Yeah, um, he's been um, a really good uh, contributor to our team throughout the year. Um, and, you know, he's, it's a new role for It was a new role for him, um, and he's taken it on really well and tried to keep learning and grow with it. So um, he'll be sorely missed for sure. Um, but we've we've got a bit of a attitude that I, I I hear a lot of clubs sort of talking about it. That's just the next one up. Um, we really try and uh, believe in that um, at Claremont, and you know whoever whoever comes in and fills that role, we'll have trust in them that they can, uh, however it looks, uh, can contribute to the level that we that we need. And Ash is really good at um, picking guys who are in form um, and can help us win games of football. 
Uh, so, yeah, we're, I'm looking forward to see who's going to step up in that role and, um, and take it with both hands this week. Jai Bolton's name's associated with success. Sandover medals, midfield supremo. But I have to add the term Ruckman next to your name now. Can you tell us the thinking behind you taking on that role on the weekend? <laughs> yeah, um, look, we uh, sort of saw that uh, Jansen was used in the ruck the week before um, and uh, Ash thought that that may be um, an area for us to uh, try and try that out as a role. Um, worked for about uh, three minutes before East Rio um, decided to uh, put me against the bloke who was about twice my size and he just jumped all over me. So, um, yeah, we had to change that pretty quickly afterwards. Uh, but, you know, we've, I'm just happy to... I, I've got full trust in Ash as a coach. He's a really clever football mind and um, tries to exploit uh, different uh, matchups and that sort of stuff uh, mid-game and give us the best chance at winning. So, um, happy to play any sort of role that he needs me to. So... Um, yeah, hopefully uh, I, I contributed to some degree, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be uh, having the Ruckman tag next to my name for too long. You got your hand to one, mate, so that's all that counts. Uh, we've got you officially <laughs> on the stat sheet for one hit out. Uh, how do you think you're placed to go all the way? This might be a bit of a dumb question, but uh, you know, Peel have been playing some really good footy. They got the job uh, done in a tight one against South Fremantle, where South Fremantle pretty much kicked themselves out of it, to be perfectly frank. But uh, this is a golden opportunity for you to advance to a grand final. Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of bridges to cross, I suppose. Um, we're under no illusion that uh, what we dished up on the weekend won't be good enough. Um, so, yeah, we've done a pretty um, good review, but happy to sort of move on from that and prepare for the next few weeks coming and focus on what makes us really uh, dangerous and um, a premier team in the competition and try and make sure that we bring that uh, over the next few weeks. So, um, yeah, we're going to try and make sure that we uh, keep keep building as the weeks as the weeks go on, and hopefully we get the win so that we can um, play a few more games of football. But I've got yeah full belief in our group and um, the way that we can play and what we can dish up that we can, we can turn things around in this final series and um, hopefully uh, go all the way. Yeah, and of course Ryan Lim earns life membership. He would have liked to have got that uh, after winning a qualifying final into a second semi, but he's been a superstar for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's missed one game since he debuted um, in 2015, and that was for an exam. So um, <laughs> it's pretty uh, pretty impressive, his longevity. Uh, I sort of say that's because he's running on carbonates um, out wide to get the cheap kick. But um, he doesn't he doesn't agree with me with that. Um, this will get and, back to him. Nickname Seagull, you reckon? Yeah, no. Nah, when you look when you look at some of the stuff that he does for for our team and um, puts his body on the line, going back with the flight and that sort of thing, it's a um, quite uh, incredible that he's uh, strung together so many games in a row and been such a good contributor to our football club. So um, hopefully we can uh, all get up for him and um, and uh, play a good game and get and get the win for him on the weekend because he uh, definitely deserves it. Good on you, Joy. Thanks very much for the chat, mate. Take care. Cheers, lads. Claremont taking on Peel Thunder at Revo Fitness Stadium. And just remember, the match is now at 2.10, not 3.10. And that is because the Brownlow medal has been moved to Sunday afternoon, evening. So uh, that is the reason why for the time change. Uh, those semifinals, uh, the other one, West Perth take on East Fremantle at Pentanet Stadium. So be interested to see who can advance there. And that is at 2.10 on the Saturday afternoon. And just briefly for Peel Thunder, uh, Trey Bunnell will miss. He was concussed last week, so he's out. So too, of course, Joy Amos, who's 
going to be left out of the team. He was eligible, but because he was a bit sore after that uh, semi-final against Collingwood, Matt Taverner didn't qualify, and Trav Collier is also uh, done for the year. So some changes upcoming for Peel. That's our WAFL update for the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. Come back after the break and have a chat to Lakeisha Pergoliti here on Sports Day. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company and we are here thanks to the Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor project at the Toolkit Depot. And a young lady that's doing a lot of work outdoors, I hear in the backyard, Skeet, down in uh, Lashenault, uh, Austral in these days, is Lakeisha Pergoliti and she joins us here on Sports Day. Lakeisha, welcome. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys going? Going really well. Uh, you must be pleased that uh, you have been chosen and the only uh, athlete from Western Australia, in fact, there's two of you, sorry, two of you chosen uh, from Western Australia to receive a scholarship, uh, thankfully, from the wonderful um, organisation Sport Australia. Yeah, yeah, I'm so... Um so honoured, so grateful to receive this scholarship. Um, it's an it's amazing thing to be a part of. And, yeah, like I said, I'm just super, super grateful that, yeah, they um, decided to give me the scholarship. So what does it mean, Lakeisha, a scholarship? What does it entail? What does it allow you to go and do travel training-wise? Uh, so the scholarship that I received is a Tier 2 scholarship. So with that, we receive um, like a financial fund and also receive uh, recovery recovery supplies and also um, support from Sport Australia Hall of Fame, which is great. Um, it makes a huge difference, especially on the financial side. Um, being from WA, we are that little bit more isolated. So, um, yeah, the money will definitely help uh, when I need to travel for training, tournaments, um, different sorts of camps. Yeah, so it, it will make a huge difference. Para swimmer Alex Safi was uh, the other to uh, receive a scholarship alongside yourself. Now, just tell us about your journey, uh, how it all began, how you got into the sport of boxing in the first place. Well, um, I've always been around the sport of boxing. Um, Dad's had a gym in the backyard since before I was born. But, um, you know, I never really showed that much interest in training or anything like that. Um, I used to be quite involved in my soccer um, around 13, 14. You know, it started to get a little bit more, not serious, but I started to, you know, fill in for women's teams and um, fill in for a bunch of different teams and that sort of progressed. And, and then one of the coaches were like, oh, you should try something different for fitness. Dad was like, why don't you hop in the gym, give it a go. And, um, yeah, I never looked back. I, I fell in love with the sport and, yeah, it's been my life for the past six years. Yeah, you mentioned your dad, Vince, and he was very supportive. A lot of dads, a bit like myself, you sort of, uh, you're worried your little girl's going to get hurt and all that, that goes with it. But <laughs> have, you started, I guess, at a, at a pretty young age and you've, you've had success as a teenager, which I guess must have fueled your desire to, to think, well, I can actually make a fist of this. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, winning both state and national titles as a youth and junior um, definitely fueled the fire. Um, and I guess I proved to myself that I could do it, which was great. Um, and obviously having the, the so much family support has been even better. 
And also off the back of that, I mean, one of your, your finer achievements and going to back a couple of years now is uh, the 2018 Australasian Golden Gloves Tournament in Perth, which must have been quite special for you when you took out the 64-kilo division. Yeah, yeah, that was a great tournament. I had, um, I think, three fights over three days and, yeah, one or three. So I was pretty happy with that. Lakeisha, what is the goal now? Where are you headed to? Uh, the goal is to definitely earn my spot on the Aussie team now as an elite fighter um, and hopefully qualify for a bunch of different international tournaments, including Olympic Games, Worlds, Commonwealth Games. Yeah, that that's always been the dream and still is, so that's what I'm working towards. And in what class uh, will you be, uh, you know, attempting to, to fight? Uh, if, or will that change as time goes on? How does that part work? Um, so at the moment, so uh, this year, I've decided to compete at 75 kilos, but, you know, that could change. I could go back down to 70, but, yeah, nothing's really set in stone. We'll just see how I go. Nice to get these sort of words come from Jamie Pittman, Boxing Australia's national coach. Lakeisha is a dedicated, hardworking, talented boxer who has the world at her feet. Um, how does that make you feel when you've got those types of, of words coming your way? Yeah, great. Um, Jamie Pittman has been like really involved with the Futures Program, which I've been um, a part of for the past four years. And yeah, it, it, it does mean a lot. It is nice to get a little bit of recognition. And yeah, it's great. And combining training, uh, obviously at some stage there was school and, and part-time work. How's it all come together? Are you able to uh, find the right mix or is it uh, a bit of a head spin still? Um, no, I think it's gotten a lot better, a lot easier. Um, yeah, while I was at school, I was still training twice a day. So, you know, once I graduated and found work and did a little bit more, like did some other courses and stuff, I was pretty used to, um, I guess, juggling all of that. But, yeah, sometimes it, it can be a little bit difficult, like in terms of committing, say, to full-time study or a full-time job. But this is my priority at the moment. So, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. Well, you're only the fifth boxer in the history of the scholarships that have been handed out by the Sport Australia Hall of Fame since 2006. So it's fantastic work. Thank you very much for sharing a few minutes with us tonight here on Sports Day and uh, all the best for the future, Lakeisha. No, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Lakeisha Pergoliti there, a local girl, country girl from down south in WA. The way she speaks doesn't sound too tough and rough. Sounds like we could uh, maybe just uh, go three or four rounds with her, Carl, you think? I would like to... No chance. Lakeisha, are you still there? <laughs> Skeet wants to take on Lakeisha. No, you're no lucky hope. she's gone, mate. You're lucky. I might send her the audio, though, just to see whether she might take you up at 75 kilos. Uh, oh. I've got her covered by about 20 kilos. Yeah, <laughs> That's a start. She might have you covered on technique, from what I've seen. <laughs> uh, we'll clear a commitment. We'll come back, and Marco Allen will join us. Uh, former golf pro. Uh, there's a fair bit going on in the golfing world, so we'll have a chat to him next. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company and fantastic to have this man back on the radio. Thanks to Baron O'Day because little things are everything. And Mark Allen, former golf pro, host of the Twilight Zone on sister station 3AW. Marco, welcome to Sports Day. How are you going, mate? 
They are very well, uh, and uh, it was very interesting watching the BMW last week. BMW is one of the flagship events on the DP World Tour, and I'm sure you both noticed that some PGA Tour loyalists finished one, two, <laughs> and three, which it just it is just ridiculous. Now we're at this point with this live versus PGA Tour stuff where that's a win for the PGA Tour to so see Shane Lowry and. Rory McIlroy and John Rahm play the golf that they played. And, and even to the point where John Rahm shot eight under on his back nine of the tournament. So the par is a, it was a par 37 on the back nine. And the guy shot 29 on a uh, par. So just ridiculous. Eight under par. Eagled the last. And afterwards he said, I just had to get past those live guys. I mean, it is just extraordinary to watch what is happening in the world of golf and how they're just eating each other up. God, it's annoying. Yeah, well, Gooch finished fourth and Reed fifth, so yes. tell us about your thoughts on that. Well, it's interesting for these guys because as far as we know, this is important, as far as we know, the majors next year won't lock live players out. So... Gooch desperately needs to stay in the top 50. If you're in the top 50, there's a cutoff point towards the end of the year. You get you get straight into the Masters and probably the other tournaments as well. So these guys are desperately looking for tournaments that will let them play, that have enough um, uh, world ranking points where they can go up. Now, apparently he's gone up quite a bit because finishing fourth at one of the biggest tournaments in the world, and that's what it was last week, um, has moved him up significantly to where they reckon he's pretty safe and he'll be playing in the Masters next year. I'm not sure about Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, he's jumping up and down. He'll play anywhere. But unfortunately, um, if you start playing tournaments in Asia or, or other parts of the world, you know, winning the tournament is like equivalent to coming seventh or eighth in other events. So uh, he needs they, they need to play in these huge tournaments. So... Just keep on watching that as well because I'm, I'm getting the feeling that Patrick Reed's world ranking points are going to erode pretty quickly. But the Gooch, he looks like he'll be playing next year. And there's a West Australian connection, you know, with uh, with the Gooch. There's mm. a guy called Malcolm Baker. Oh, yeah. Who I turned with back in 1990. And Malcolm Baker has been catting for Taylor Gooch for a long time. So uh, Malcolm might be back at Augusta this year. I remember Bakes from some nightclub days back in the early 90s. Yeah, he's a good uh, good man. Yes, uh, now... Me too. Me too. <laughs> Now I don't. We don't want to go into this sort of uh, just kicking live for the sake of kicking them. But uh, Apple TV turned down the chance yeah. to broadcast live, saying, "I quote, too toxic." So where will live be broadcast next year? It is still a question mark. Well, you know what? I don't think it is toxic anymore. I reckon this has all gone the way of the dodo. You know, the the PGA Tour have stopped kicking and screaming about and let's be frank, about the beheadings in the town square in Saudi Arabia, all that sort of stuff. Okay, So they've stopped it because they know it's a silly thing to say these days because if you look hard enough and you look long enough, in fact, if you just scrape off the top, you'll find that the PGA Tour have been dealing with Saudi Arabian dollars for a long time. And, and a lot of the major sponsors, excuse me, a lot of the major sponsors um, deal with Saudi Arabia, take them all, all these other things. So you, you, you can't be hypocritical in this situation. I'm really surprised Apple said no. I, I reckon somebody will soon. Now, whether whether that's Netflix or you know, another one out there, I think it will happen soon because 
I, I think it's got to a point now where there there is a divide um, in the world of golf, but I don't think it's as toxic as what Apple was saying. I, I think there'll be someone to put their hand up and say, yeah, we'll do this. Uh, we reckon there's a market out there, and, and away they go. So um, disappointed in Apple, to tell you the truth. We're talking to Mark Allen, former golf pro. Uh, Marco, why wouldn't you want to take on a nearest the pin competition to determine the seedings for October's $50 million US event? $74.2 million Australian dollars with the conversion right now. Uh, that's to determine uh, the uh, seedings for the Trump National Doral course outside Miami. <laughs> They're doing things differently. I think Donald Trump's got about three starts on the live circuit next year, which is uh, which is pretty interesting. Look, they're, 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 they're battling to try and find different things to make golf interesting. I think golf's pretty interesting to people who like golf. Now, the best way to get people uh, watching the game is to get them playing the game. And I think we're starting to find different you know, ways of getting kids interested you know, that's the only but a way. But a competition like this yeah, within a competition isn't bad. I mean, oh, I don't mind yeah. playing the odd par three competition, mate, because normally there's a pretty good prize up for grabs, especially if you can knock it in. Oh, I'm with you. I, I am with you. As long as they get crazy. Don't get crazy on us. You know, golf's, golf's a good product. Golf's a fantastic product if you like golf. And, you know, this is one of the most amazing things. They're always trying to make golf better, saying, oh, we almost lost golf. Have a look at the money in golf. Golf's not struggling. But golf's not everybody's cup of tea. And, that, and that's fine too. But the people who get hooked into golf, they love it. And they consume it. And that's why there's so much money in the sport. Because there's a real market out there and it's normally people who spend. So I, I don't see the need to go crazy and to try and find different ways. I like what they're doing here. It's nice. But let's not do it every week. Yeah, I agree with you, Mark. I've told my girls to try and get into golf, and that's a great career, but they are intent on becoming influencers, so I'm not sure I'm going to get some joy on that front. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's, just the, it's just the way it works nowadays, Marco. Hey, listen, yes. when it comes to golf, 12 clubs, 14 currently, what's what's the better method going forward? What, status quo, or are you, you're happy to look at this? Well... I think they should. I think I think the balance is out of whack. It's a bit like cricket. You know, the, the balance between bat and ball has drifted towards the batsman with these crazy bats. You know, a middle hit still goes just as far as a middle hit with the old bats, but you hit it on the periphery, and they're still hitting sixes. Golf has gone the same way. I mean, once upon a time, the hardest club in the bag to hit was the driver. These days, it's the easiest. And I think to make the balance a little bit better in the game of golf. I'm on board this 12-club game. I think it is a much better way to do business. Now, what will happen with the pros, they'll just adjust their spacing between the clubs. But I think it will be a better way to play. And for most amateurs, getting two clubs out of the bag, that's a dream. They don't know how to use half of them. You know, get rid of the lob wedge and just have a 58. Get rid of the two woods, you know, just have one fairway wood. You only need one. And there you go, there's your 12 clubs, and it just makes the game simpler for you. But for the pros, it'll just stretch them a little bit, you know. They'll, they'll have to hit more cut shots or hit a harder shot here and there. They'll have to do that more often because the spacing between clubs will be a little bit further. And I think that will bring the game back, not totally back to where it should be, 
I think if they get the ball to spin a little bit more with the driver as well, that's going to be a big help. But look, it's an interesting discussion, but I'm all for it. I reckon a 12-club game makes sense these days. Thank you very much for your time, mate. We appreciate it, and we'll have a chat to you next week. See you, boys. Good on you. Mark Allen here on Sports Day. Thanks to Barrandy Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We'll clear a commitment on the other side. We'll come back. And Tab Touches David Short will join us next. Sports Day. Thanks to Kia. The all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Time now to catch up with Tab Touches, David Short. Good evening, Shorty. How you going, mate? Yeah, really well. Thanks, Carl Skeet. Nice to be with you guys. Now, a couple of big rounds of AFL action coming up uh, Friday and Saturday. How are the betting markets looking? Yeah, interesting finals. Uh, the first of the finals, Geelong going warm favourites, $1.29. $3.65, Brisbane. Line betting sits at 22.5. Game total, 158.5. Go under or over there. And Sydney Collingwood on Saturday, $1.42 for Sydney. Collingwood go in at two ninety. Line betting seventeen and a half. Game total on that game sits at 163 and a half points. Uh, Geelong and Sydney are favoured to go through and play off in the grand final. So off the back of that, just the premiership market as it stands. Yeah, look, uh, the market as it sits, see Geelong two ten, Sydney three dollars, Collingwood a six dollar chance, and Brisbane at nine. I've got stacks of markets open through the finals as well. If you want to have an early bet on the Norm Smith with the four remaining teams and you think uh, the player from that team can go through, uh, obviously with more players currently in that market, there's some uh, inflated odds on what you'll get for the grand final when they're available next week. Of course, the Brownlow medal has been moved from Monday to Sunday. So it's going to be a fascinating count. How does the market look as we speak? Yeah, we talked a bit about uh, no one being able to poll votes uh, that out the season proper is finished and the market moving. Well, it's been even more significant over the last seven days. Lockie Neal now into $3 to win the Brownlow. Clayton Oliver at three fifty. Cripps is there at $6. 7 for Brayshaw. seven fifty for Took Miller. eight fifty for Christian Petrarca. 51 for Rory Laird. 61 for Callum Mills. 81 for Sam Walsh. And tomorrow night, the Bledisloe Cup shorty, uh, the Wallabies against the All Blacks. And I haven't looked at the market, but uh, history would suggest the All Blacks are pretty short price favourites. They are indeed. Um, probably more gettable than they've been for some time, though, it would be said. Uh, $1.25 for the All Blacks, $3.90 the Aussies. Line betting sits at 10.5 points. Uh, Aussies with the head start plus 10.5 is into $1.85. So support there. For the Aussies to, uh, if not win, at least get close to the All Blacks there in that clash. Brilliant, Shorty. And, of course, uh, when we have a chat to you tomorrow on the program, we'll get uh, all of the weekend's racing action. So really looking forward to that because there's plenty of spring action available on Tab Touch. Big style, yeah. It's, it was a sensational day of racing last Saturday. It continues to heat up. There'll be a stack of group races can have a look at tomorrow night on the program. Boys, look forward to it. David Short there. Thanks to Tab Touch. Those with the touch, choose Tab Touch. Better your bet and download the Tab Touch app today. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858. Who do you think wins the Brownlee medal? Uh, it's Lockie Neal. Uh, certainly, I think. He just numbers us through the roof, so I can't see him. They're better than when he won the Brownlow last time, so I think he wins. I know you're of a different mind. Yeah, and a few of the experts, though, they agree with you. Uh, Lockie Neal is favoured, and a couple of blokes that have been really good in production. 
predicting the outcome of uh, being successful there. But Andrew Brayshaw is the man for me. Now it's time to welcome in our next guest. Thanks to Racing Queensland. Spring racing has arrived. And we haven't spoken to this man for a little while, but it's lovely to have him back on the radio. His name is Chris Nelson. Welcome, Chris. How have you been? I've been very well, thanks, Carl. It's great to chat with you. Great to chat with Mark. And, yeah, you got me for a couple of weeks. So uh, after that, you're rid of me until Magic Millions time. So let's hope we can find you some winners along the way. Yeah, well, mate, uh, one of uh, my co-host's favourite spots is the Goldie, the Gold Coast we're talking about. He's always bragging about that place. I have been there a couple of times. Uh, What is going on? There's a big meeting happening up there this weekend. Yeah, well, it's the annual Pink Ribbon Race Day on the Gold Coast on Saturday afternoon. It's a fundraising day for the National Breast Cancer Foundation. It's the 15th year uh, that the Gold Coast has uh, has had this day. Now, it started off pretty small, but now it's got to the stage where it's a sea of pink. Everyone's wearing pink. Even the CEO and and, uh, all the committee wear pink suits, and they get up in some pretty amazing stuff. So it really is a sight to see. And, look, they've raised a lot of money over time. $135,000 $135,000 last year and over $900,000 uh, since this was uh, instigated back, as I said, 14 years ago, 15th year this year. But this year, guys, it's a little different. It's a tri-codes uh, week. It's Pink Ribbon Week. So not only do we have the big meeting on Saturday at the Gold Coast, but we have a Pink Ribbon meeting at the Greyhounds at Albion Park tomorrow night and a Pink Ribbon meeting at the Harness Racing at Albion Park on Saturday night. So everybody's getting involved. Yeah, terrific to hear. I know the Jane McGrath Foundation has been paramount in sport, taking on this um, pink ribbon style of, of sporting yep. associations. Uh, but let's get down to Tintax with the, the feature race, race seven on the Gold Coast. Have you got a tip for us, Chris? I have. Now, look, the favourite's definitely going to be Mimi Lagarde, number one. She's got the best form. Uh, she's resuming from a break. But look, there's a couple of things that work against her. She's got 59 kilos and she will get back because that's her pattern and she's drawn wide. So she definitely will. Just keep your eye on number eight, Queen of Dubai. A new addition to the David Van Dyke stable. Has some form down south. Trolled nicely. I think this uh, mare's got some ability, but I don't want to see her blow out the gate in the market. So if she stays solid in the market or she has some support, go with number eight each way, Queen of Dubai at a better price. All right. Now, my informant has told me that the two best of the day come up. Race four, number two, far too easy. We like it when it's like that. And the next best is in the get-out stakes, race nine, number six, Enterprise Mia. What do you think? Well, Enterprise Mia I've got on top, Carl. Uh, she, she generally goes forward in her races. There's a lot of speed in this race Saturday, and she's drawn out. I wouldn't be surprised if they ride her back. She missed a start last time, and she ran on really well. So I think she'll be hard to beat as well. So I'm with you there, race nine, number six. Just on the other one, uh, race four, number two, far too easy. Definitely the class runner of the race. But there was some talk around today, the blood count's not 100%. So we still don't know if this horse is going to run. Uh, if the blood count's OK, I think uh, tonight or tomorrow, then it will run. But there's just got that little cloud hanging over it uh, far too easy. But look, if, if everything's uh, OK and all the health uh, issues are in order there with far too easy, I would think that horse would romp in. Righto. What's uh, your best on the program? Or have we already discussed it here today? No, I'm going to go with race six, number six, Safe Work. Gets into a class three uh, set weights race, very, very well weighted. The only thing that can upset Safe Work is, a, is rain. Uh, we are only due for maybe a couple of mils, they say, between now and Saturday. So it shouldn't make any difference. As long as we're not anything worse than, say, a soft five, I think Safe Work will be winning race six, number six. All right, currently each way odds too. So for those of you that yeah. like uh, to have a little flutter, beautiful, mate. Well, uh, thank you very much. And we will have a chat to you uh, next week, I'm presuming. Cheers. 
Yeah, look forward to it, guys. Have a great weekend. Good on you. Chris Nelson, the expert out of Queensland and the Queensland Spring Racing Carnival is here. You can check out racingqueensland.com.au for more details. And that's pretty much all we've got time for tonight here on the program. Uh, Just repeating some of the earlier news, if you've just joined us here on the program, James Heard has been interviewed by the selection committee at the Essendon Football Club who are recruiting their coach. Uh, it sounds like Griffin Logue maybe has had a change of heart after Freo have up the ante and he may well stay at the club, which will pave the way for Rory Lobb to get his wish. And that is to be traded to the Western Bulldogs, even though he is yet to ask for a trade there. Ben Long has opted to go to the Gold Coast from the Essendon Football Club, Skeet. So that's just some of the news we spoke about earlier tonight. Yes, and uh, that's the start of what will be an extremely busy few weeks of trades and speculation and we're still a bit away from trade week so there's a lot to play out between now and then but as you've suggested some weeks ago expect plenty of movement during the off season probably the most in recent memory yeah and of course uh, the west coast eagles are confirming that they had re-signed nick natanui and also bailey williams uh, formally agreeing to a two-year contract extension so that too has been announced today thanks for your company uh, todd johnston will be on your radio next with a night shift he'll take you right and through until midnight after the eight o'clock news that is next Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.